Hey everybody, and welcome to Rabbit's Ramblings Podcast 94. I start the show with some rabbit rambly podcast type news. I talk about Dead Space 3, and I ramble a little bit about Founders Package things. Enjoy the show! This week, there are a couple of rabbit ramblings type newsy things to talk about. So I will put those up front because they are very important. And one of them is something I want people to have sort of firmly in their mind. The first thing is Guten Tag Deutschland, wie geht's? Which is basically me saying, hey, German people, what's up? I was looking at my stats the other day and it seems like I got a ton of page requests from podcast.de, which looks like they have a ton of podcasts over in Germany that they are not stealing, which is awesome. They are actually just listing them and then linking them back to the actual podcast owner. So everybody that sees my podcast over there at their site, when they click to listen to a podcast or they click to, you know, download a podcast or subscribe to it. It all goes back to my actual site. So that is super awesome because that means I get more exposure and all of the clicks for listening or subscribing actually go to my site. So the wibbly wobbly statistic thing that I have that sort of kind of tracks that stuff can track it. Like I said, it's not an exact science. If I wanted an exact science, I could have it, but I guess that requires JavaScripting, which I don't know. Someday I might. But the statistics I have show page requests, which I think are just anytime somebody pushes refresh on their, you know, their podcast reader thing, or I suppose goes to a page like this, which, you know, shows all of the episodes, that counts as a page request. And then whenever, I guess, they click on the particular episode, it will download it and count it in the MP3 downloads of 10 to 100 meg, I think is where it registers. And so, you know, like I said, I can take the wibbly-wobbly math and divide over the time period it's showing for and get a rough number of subscribers slash listens. And if all of the click-throughs are actually listens to a single episode, then they would account for somewhere around three-fifths of all of my subscribers, which is probably why I got a jump of you know, like three or 400 people rather quickly there. I don't know when they started following me because, you know, it just shows all of the episodes. But it wouldn't surprise me if they were, you know, the reason behind my jump in listeners. So that's very cool. And again, Guten Tag, Deutschlanders. Wie geht's? The second thing is you may have noticed the episode name is Destruct Sequence 1, which is a Star Trek reference. But it is named that because I'm going to try one last thing to try and get my iTunes podcast listing back to showing up. And that one last thing basically requires that I kill the code that is on the page and 
change it to be one single line. So in theory, this one line would tell everything that goes to that page, and that page is, you know, the old RSS that's no longer valid. It would tell everybody that's going there, this page is no longer being used, go to the new page over here. And it tells it the new URL. So in theory, if somebody goes to search that page, it should automatically bounce to the new page. If you are going through something like iTunes or another podcast software, then it should automatically bounce to the new location and your software should update to the new location automatically without you doing anything. Now, the reason why I have mentioned this so many times on my podcast and why I'm going to do it the Wednesday after this podcast releases, which looks like that will be the 13th, is that I am kind of wary if it actually will work or not. It's supposed to be the recommended best way to do this, so it should work. But since the previous, you know, HTML tag that should have redirected iTunes has not worked, I'm kind of worried that it also will not work. And because all of the code at the old RSS site will be removed, then anybody who hasn't updated, you know, wouldn't know there's a new episode. So this is sort of the final last warning slash reminder that if you have not changed to the new RSS feed, which is pretty much the same thing as the old one, but it ends in .xml, then you can change over to that. But in theory, your software should automatically update to the new feed page. But if the Saturday after that Wednesday comes along, that being the 16th, and you don't see Rabbit's Rambling's Podcast 95 show up in your subscription, you might be wondering, hey, where did it go? Why is it not showing up? And so this is your reminder in advance that the old feed will be blowing up, and if you are still linked there, you should move over automatically. But if you don't, as per previous podcasts, and I'll I'll say it again now, you can manually add it to your podcast software. And I don't know about other ones, but for iTunes, you can go to my site, www.rabbit.com, and click the podcast link. There's a lot of them. And then on the podcast page, there's the RSS icon and the directions on how to manually link. But you can right-click on that and then copy shortcut, I think it is, and then go to your software. Uh, In this case, I will say iTunes because it's the one I know how to do. And then in iTunes, you push File, Subscribe to Podcast, and then you paste in the URL there that you had, you know, copied. And that will manually force iTunes to pick up the podcast. I would recommend you delete your old copy of Rabbit's Ramblings before doing that because it gets kind of confused and dumb if you (laughs) add a second copy of it. But like I said, hopefully the destruct sequence will force it to update if you haven't already manually updated and everything should be smooth. But this is just, you know, one final warning before the destruct code goes into place. Just in case, you know, it comes along, Saturday comes and goes and you're wondering where it is. This is your reminder in advance and a whole lot of rambling about it as to, you know, why it might not show up and how to fix that. So hopefully nobody is, you know, interrupted in terms of their subscription, and all happy listeners are still happy listeners.
I have some early thoughts on Dead Space 3. I say these are early thoughts because at this point I've only played about 4 hours. First, I noticed that I had a ton of unlocks. I think they were from things like pre-ordering, and like I've played Mass Effect, so it unlocked a, a special Mass Effect style suit, which I'm using, just to be different. It doesn't have any special stats or anything, it just looks different. The first thing which is different from previous games is that the tutorial is done in sort of a, I guess you could say previously on style, or maybe flashback style. The first small section of the game, it doesn't seem like it's very long, but it's probably longer than it feels like, is that you're actually playing a different character on the on the frozen planet that, you know, all of the screenshots for the game in advance, you know, show, oh, it's a frozen planet this time. And you pretty much go through all of the basic stuff. It reminds you how to move, how to shoot, how to run. You don't get any hacking puzzles from what I recall, but you did get one very cool, um, I guess you could call it on rail slash flying scene. But this one is not actually flying. It is sliding down a hill. So, you know, in a sense, you're flying, but backwards down a hill. So that is very different and very cool. In the time I have played, I have encountered one other actual free-flying, you know, pre-rendered-ish scene. And I would say that this has been greatly improved from the previous games. It's a lot easier to tell where the bad things are coming at you from, and, you know, what section of the screen is going to be hazardous versus what section you might want to move over to. And they're also a lot shorter. I remember in previous games they were pretty long and frustrating and I died a lot in the previous games. These times I think I only died like once out of both of those challenges. So they seem a lot more fun and a lot more interesting. Overall I would say the game is a lot more cinematic and there's a lot more breaks where you get to actually see Isaac or other characters and there's you know conversational points where they stop and tell a bit of the story or talk about some of the characters. To some people, I suppose this might be kind of annoying, but it is actually part of, you know, the Dead Space universe that people talk and there's conversation. And, you know, throughout the game, you are getting bits of, you know, the lore and the story of, you know, overall what's happening and, you know, what's happening specifically during that story. And, of course, you know, there's a lot of alien-ish type atmosphere that makes it feel very scary and very, I guess you could say, urgent to, you know, staying alive and being alert. One of the things I did expect they would change is sort of the inventory system in terms of the weapons. One sort of disadvantage to that, though, is that they've kind of removed the description of the weapons. As I mentioned, I got a bunch of free unlocks, and I had maybe half a dozen weapons. But they don't actually say what they do. They don't say, you know, this is a weapon that does this type of thing. I did guess by the picture, you know, this is a line gun. This is sort of a standard military shooting type weapon, you know, machine gun style. But there were some others that I had no idea what they were. Mousing over them didn't reveal any information. 
So if I wanted to figure out what they were, I would have to put them in my inventory and actually, you know, try and use them and see what happens. There might be something in the manual. There might be some kind of hint thing for it. But as a person who typically just likes to jump right into the game and discover things by, you know, the story telling me or the game showing me, there didn't seem to be any kind of revealing information. In terms of the store, the store is now completely gone. Everything is done through the workbench and upgrades. And each weapon has two different ways you can upgrade them. There are a bunch of parts which make a particular weapon. And depending on which pieces you use, you can say make a shotgun type weapon. Or you can make something like a line gun. But the difference comes in, you know, which parts you specify where. Off the top of my head, there are five different locations and one spot for chip enhancements. Chip enhancements are kind of like how the old sort of talent system worked in the previous games. You get a chip and it will, you know, add extra damage like plus one damage or sometimes it will add plus one reload speed. And there is sort of an overall statistics thing if you go back to the sort of main area that shows the entire weapon by itself. But again, the descriptions on what the particular item is doing isn't really all that explicit. Like the different kind of beam weapon heads have, you know, this is a standard line head or this is a wider line. You know, it doesn't say what that means, really. Those who have played Dead Space before will know, you know, a wider beam line usually means it's a bigger space or it's got five spots that it shoots from instead of three. You know, it doesn't say that in detail. So that is really my only gripe for that. Another part for getting rid of the store entirely is that throughout the game you'll find lots of little salvage bits. And there's, I think, four or five different kinds of salvage bits. And these salvage bits will allow you to create stuff when you're at the bench. You can either create different things for weapons, say like a different kind of barrel, or you can create med kits or ammo kits or pretty much whatever you kind of need that you could have previously bought in a store. So now everything is through, you know, a salvage type, and pretty much anything you want to do is right through that one bench. So it's quite a bit simplified. Similarly, the talent system for the suit has also been simplified. There are a fewer number of, I guess you could call them trees, and the trees aren't really trees, they're just kind of one, two, three, four. And as you unlock each spot, it will cost you more resources of, you know, whatever types that slot needs. So it's a lot simpler, a lot easier to access. I think a lot better in terms of specifically upgrading. I want this, you know, right now, and I could upgrade it right now. I think when I got to the suit place, the suit, you know, um, kiosk, I guess you could call it, I had had enough stored up that I could upgrade four different things. I upgraded health, I upgraded armor, I upgraded, I think it was the air, you know, the amount of air you get when you're out in space, and I think I upgraded my damage on the, I don't, I don't remember what they call it, but it's the C button, it's pretty much what I call the force power that, you know, slows people down, I think I upgraded that, but I could, if I had, you know, better resources, have just done all health or just done all armor, you know, it wasn't that I had to spend five or six points to unlock a specific thing. They were much better organized and you have 
a choice of three different categories. Anyways, it is a lot easier to manage, you know, and decide what you want to upgrade how. And again, it comes from just the generic resources. So if, as example, you wanted to spend a lot more resources building weapons and ammo, you could do that. If you wanted to just unlock a bunch of stuff in your suit, you could do that. It's totally up to you. Seems a little bit more flexible. But like I said, due to limitations on the description in terms of the weapons, it seems like it's a little bit more confusing and not quite as user-friendly to get into as I would like. But there are blueprints that you have. You know, you start with a bunch of blueprints. So if you found you know, a particular blueprint you liked, you could just go, oh, it has this kind of this kind of upper component, this kind of lower component, this kind of handle. So I just need to look for those or construct those. And it seems kind of straightforward once you understand it. But like I said, unless you spend a lot of time with it, it seems a little bit more confusing than it should be. In terms of minigames, I would say they are quite a bit better. There is a much wider variety of them. In the first one, there was kind of the standard... I guess you could call it a radar kind of thing where you point a little cone and it it goes blue or red. That one is in there. There's a different kind of one where it's got, I guess you could say, dots. And for the PC, you move the dots with the WASD keys and your mouse. And you have two of them at a time. You need to move them to certain areas and click and then move them to certain other areas and click and move them to other areas and click. For some reason, I seem to be drawing a complete blank on the third type of puzzle I encountered, which is kind of strange. You'd think I would remember. But the fourth type of puzzle I encountered was sort of a, I guess you could call it Tetris-y kind of thing, where there was one box over here, one box over here, and I could rotate them, and then, you know, they had to fit together to clear. So if you're into the minigames, there are quite a bit more types of them, and they are pretty interesting, I think. Certainly a lot more interesting than doing the same one over and over and over. Especially since that's important that, you know, if a person isn't good at that type of thing, you know, they'd be totally out of luck if it was just one type. But if you have multiple types, you know, then you got a a decent chance of, you know, figuring out a different type and being good at it. I like the graphics and sound quite a bit. The music is, as always, kind of spot on. Kind of goes up and down depending on, you know, how the situation is at the time. It's never anything that's really annoying. So that's really good. One of the things I found in many reviews before, you know, I picked up the game in the last week or so, is that they kind of were dissing the game and saying, this is a straight port from the consoles. And I'm playing the game, and I don't see what they're complaining about. The game looks great. The graphics and sound are really good. I have it set at, you know, 1920 by 1080, which I suppose consoles would be as well. And everything looks nice and sharp and clear. I know sometimes with console stuff, if you get too close with a PC, it looks kind of bad in terms of textures. I haven't seen any of that. You know, it looks just as good as the previous games. So I really don't know what they're complaining about. I actually made like a couple dozen screenshots when I was playing the first time. And then when I was done playing that session, I found out the screenshots weren't actually saved anywhere. So that was kind of disappointing because I thought I had a bunch of really good screenshots. You know, because the game looks really good, but I guess they don't save anywhere. My only real sort of complaint so far is that I set the game to, I think it was normal. But, you know, in the four hours I've been playing, it's actually been really kind of easy. Nothing has really happened that didn't happen in previous games, but that's not entirely surprising. But it's like, 
you know, even though it's been a year, maybe two years, I don't know how long since Dead Space 2, and, you know, I played through that, there really wasn't anything super challenging in 3 so far. Everything I remember from 2 has pretty much been, you know, in place in terms of skills and, oh, I remember how to do that, yeah. And I haven't had any problems so far. So I'd say that normal seems a little easy for me, but I am kind of pro at shooting games. I have played 11 billion of them. So I don't know, it could be my skill level. And it is good to know, you know, most people should have no problem with it, you know, because it is quite a bit about the story and, you know, the lore of the, the Dead Space universe. I'm sure if you wanted something that was just about, you know, skill shooting, you probably wouldn't be picking up the Dead Space series because it's got a you know, a lot of story in there. And I would say, you know, it's just as much, you know, about the story, if not more, for, you know, the Dead Space series. On my early preview so far, I would say I would highly recommend it to anyone who is a fan of the series. Anyone who is a fan of shooters and has been thinking about picking it up, I see no reason why you couldn't. I would recommend picking up the first couple of games because they're fun to play. But it's certainly not necessary to pick up the first ones. The beginner tutorial in the start of the game does kind of introduce you to what's been going on in the series. And like Dead Space 2, there is a previously on in the main menu, which I believe will take you through, you know, all the critical events of the previous games. So if you really wanted to know what was going on with the story, you could just backtrack and look at that and, you know, you wouldn't have to play through them. But I would say even without doing that, even just picking up Dead Space 3 and knowing nothing about the universe... It explains enough of what's going on and why it's going on to, you know, work just fine without knowing the rest of the lore that came before it. So again, I would highly recommend anyone who is a fan to pick it up. I don't know if you quite need to pick it up, you know, right away at 60 bucks. But in terms of, you know, if you want to wait until the price cools down a little bit and you're worried about spoilers, I don't think there's probably going to be all that many spoilers. And we can pretty much guess, you know, Isaac will win and save the universe, so probably no spoilers there. And I don't think it's been said this is the last one in the series, so I'm sure there's no big spoilers going to come from that. I certainly haven't seen anything that is spoiler-like in any of the reviews or stuff I've checked out. So I would say, you know, if you did want to wait, if you couldn't quite afford it, or maybe it's not out in your area yet, you live in a different country or whatever, I would say it's probably fine to wait. But like I said, you know, if you are a fan of the series, It is highly enjoyable. It's very good. It is everything I expected it to be. And, you know, minor improvement with inventory, which is good. And since it got rid of the stores, you know, it kind of fits more with the feel. Because so far I've been sort of on a ship and we're in sort of a dead shipyard. So it makes more sense, you know, to be looking for salvage and trying to put together stuff from stuff I find. Instead of going to, you know, a store and saying, oh, I have this much money, I'll just buy this stuff at the store. You know, it seems to make a lot more sense in terms of, you know, the lore and what's going on with the story. So like I said, I highly recommend it. Far over the misty mountains cold To dungeons deep and caverns old We must away at break of day to find our long.
So I decided to talk a bit about Founders packages because a few have come up lately that just kind of don't make sense to me. And the whole concept is kind of questionable to me. First, for those of you who do not know what a Founders package is, as far as my understanding of it, it is basically a pre-order of whatever game it is through the company directly, most often. And you'll often get a bunch of extra stuff for buying the Founders package. As example, the most recent one that I know of is for Neverwinter. They have a $20 one, a $60 one, and then like a, a special collector's edition thing for 200 However, there is some stuff going on with them. The $20 one doesn't really get you anything. It's not really worth the $20 in my opinion. The only reason to get the $60 one is because it gets you beta weekend access, which is still kind of questionable because it's not a permanent beta access key. It's just a beta weekend key, so that's basically, I think, like nine days worth of access. It does give you early entry to the game, which most people consider worth it. And it does get you some various special, you know, bags and mount type stuff. The $200 one seems a bit over the top. That seems a bit of a steep jump from 60 Seems like it would make much more sense to be 100 Because that gives you the same thing as the $60 level and then a bunch of other stuff. For the Neverwinter Founders package, all of this stuff is virtual stuff. So it's not like you're getting a cool statue or a map or a mouse pad or anything like that as far as I know. I haven't looked too deeply into it because Neverwinter is supposed to be 100% free to download and play. So this is where I don't really get why they're doing that from a consumer standpoint, especially at those prices. For a 100% free to download and play game, I would think something like... 20 bucks for beta access and maybe some bags and then 40 bucks for you know the primary access level and then maybe like 75 for collectors that would make a lot more sense because you're talking about money that goes directly to the company so they get a much larger amount of the money going to a retail outlet you know a lot of the money is lost to the retail outlet but this is all going directly to the company it's not refundable, and it's 100% free to download and play. So you're paying all this extra money that you wouldn't have to pay to play for something you haven't yet played. Something like all this stuff in a pre-order, that I'm okay with, because a pre-order you can cancel, you can get into beta and go, wow, this is really something I am not at all interested in, and cancel your order. And then, you know, all that stuff would be bound to your account, you know, if you do pick it up someday. But if you don't pick it up, you know, you haven't lost anything. But for a free-to-download-and-play game, I just don't understand it. I do get the Founders packages overall. You know, it's a way for the company to make money, you know, right before launch, generate a lot of extra interest, reward some people, you know, who have been following the game and are really eager to get it. You know, I get all that. But what I don't get are, I guess you could call them, you know, the pricing brackets. Because 
A free to download and play game, it just doesn't make sense to be that expensive. MechWarrior Online did something very similar, and I also just kind of did, you know, facepalm. It's like, what are you guys thinking? I don't remember their pricing, but it was pretty similar. It was like $50, $100, and $200. And it's like, this is going to be free to download and play. Why are you asking so much money for virtual stuff for something people haven't even played yet? It just doesn't make any sense. So I don't know if this rambling serves a lot of purpose other than, you know, a warning to players. You know, take a really serious hard look at what you get for that Founders Package. Is it really worth it for you? With something like Neverwinter, a game you've never played, even though you may have played similar games, I would highly advise you not buy the Founders Package. Because you just don't know. I mean, it looks awesome. It looks incredible. I would really like to play it and check it out. But it could turn out to be something I really am not interested in at all. With many games, you need to actually get in and play the game and, you know, feel how it runs on your system, see how it runs, see if you like, you know, the skill and class system, and really get a decent look at it, you know, firsthand running live to really decide if you like something or not. If, say, as example, there were a Founders Package for Dead Space 3 instead of just a plain pre-order, yeah, I probably would have absolutely jumped at that, because I played the first Dead Space, I played the second Dead Space, I loved them both, you know, there's an extremely high chance I would love the third one. And as I talked about in the last section, I do. But something like Neverwinter, you know, it's a a new thing. It's a company that is still pretty new in the industry. They have made a few games, but not a ton of them. And let's be honest, most of them have not succeeded very well. They really only had pretty much one game succeed So that adds, you know, an additional layer of questionable nature. You know, will the game be good or not? Only you can judge for yourself. But as, you know, per any pre-order, you know, you have to be extra careful with these founder packages because they are non-refundable money as far as I know. And, you know, since you are paying for something in advance, you know, before you've played it in most cases, I would recommend you be very, very cautious. And I suppose the usefulness for the rambling to developers is, you know, price it accordingly. Don't just try and get a lot of profit. You know, think about a price that makes sense for the consumer. Something like Neverwinter, you know, you're looking at 20, 60, or 200. These prices really don't make sense for a 100% free to download and play game. Yeah, I realize, you know, you're trying to get your money back. But there is no guarantee that people are going to like it. 200 bucks for access to beta weekends for a person and their friend and access to the drow race and special clothes that look like Drizzt. You know, maybe that's worth it to the ultimate Drizzt fan. But for, you know, the average consumer who's really into the game, say, like me, you know, I'm not going to jump out and spend 200 bucks. Even if I had, you know, a good budget for gaming, that would be really, really, really questionable for me, because that's all virtual stuff on something I've never played. You know, it's $450 worth of virtual stuff. That's still virtual stuff that somebody doesn't know if they're going to want or not until they play. So, you know, I understand how Founders Packages are good for making the company money, 
you know, I get that. It's taking pre-orders into their own hands. You know, good way to get them more money without hurting the consumer too much, you know, in terms of having a code that gives them content that is required or character unlocks that are required, which it wouldn't surprise me if more companies start doing in the future. But I don't know. The current implementation of it just seems really questionable to me. So I guess that is it for this week's Rabbit's Ramblings podcast. No donations. Haven't been any donations for a very long time. Pirates are very sad and lonely. They don't get to talk. There's no games for me coming up that I know of. Oh, I did get into the Defiance beta weekend for this weekend that the podcast is releasing. So if there is no NDA, I can talk about that for next podcast, which I expect there won't be. Most of these beta weekend kind of things, they know they really can't control the testers since they're only there for, you know, the one weekend and then it's like, you know, get out. We don't want you anymore. You know, so they can't really put you under NDA for that. So I expect there won't be an NDA and I should be able to, you know, talk about it and have some real information on it. I guess there's a new God of War game coming soon. It's kind of confusing to me because I thought 3 was supposed to be the last one. So I don't know what's up with that. I'd be interested in playing it, you know, if I if I wasn't homeless and had my PlayStation out where I could play stuff. But uh, it's in storage, so I can't do any PlayStation stuff. Hansel and Gretel looks really awesome. I've been wanting to go see them in IMAX 3D. Haven't seen it yet, so I haven't been able to talk about it. When I do, though, I might ramble about it for a movie-slash-TV section thing. Nothing on my phone either, so I haven't had anything to talk about for that for a while either. And that's, I guess, all I can think of for this time. So, hopefully, I'll see everybody next time. Okay, thanks, bye. Because they are very important to... Because they are... Uh, Delete that. So I expect there won't be an NDA and I can talk... (laughs) Computer, this is Captain James Kirk of the USS Enterprise. Destruct sequence one... Code 1, 1A. Voice and code 1, 1A. Verified and correct. Sequence 1, complete. You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www.rabbit.com dot com slash podcast slash rabbits ramblings dot html
If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit.com. If you friend me, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit.com. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at rabbitdot.com. It's rabbit.com, but with not a period. When you type rabbit's ramblings, don't use the space. And be sure to put the number one in place of I whenever you type rabbit. Rabbit's Ramblings is copyright 2013 and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.